0: Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing well this morning? We wanna do something special. We wanna welcome in our Sherwood campus and why don't you give them a big round of applause. And if you don't know who the guy was singing today that was leading us in worship, it's actually our worship leader from down at our Sherwood campus, so it's good to have Greg here today with us. Well, today's a special day for a couple different reasons. First of all, and I say special, I mean it's kind of the wrap-up of our 930, like Alan's already mentioned, and it's also the wrap-up of this series uh, called Our Father, and we've been looking at these snapshots in the life of Jesus where he's prayed certain things, and we've looked at you know um, the, the Lord's Prayer, which a lot of us know, but maybe not everybody, but it's you know the Our Father, which art in heaven, how it be thy name. Today, we're going to look at one specific section of this that, honestly, I've been kind of trying to not do this one, because it's one that I know that, and I actually told two of my friends beforehand, like, you need to pay attention today. Well, the truth of the matter is, everybody needs to pay attention to this one today, okay? Because we're going to deal with a thing called temptation. So just by a show of hands, has anybody ever not been tempted? I figured I'd go that direction. (laughs) It's a lot easier, not been tempted. There's been three people that raised their hands, liars, and so... No, everybody in this room has been tempted. And the passive scripture is found in Matthew 6, 13. Jesus is praying this for us. He's teaching the disciples how to pray. And he says, when you pray, pray these things. So he says, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And it's interesting because I have never looked at it this way until this past week. That's actually two parts. It's actually, don't lead us in temptation. And it's like this. Let me explain it this way. Anybody ever taken their kid to Publix, um, like the supermarket, and you've been in the, in, in the little buggy thing or whatever they call that, and you have intentionally not gone down the candy aisle? Okay, a lot of hands on that one. You know what you just did? You, you try to not lead your child into what? Because you go down that aisle, and what happens? You're tempted. Mine is the cereal aisle. Every time I see Captain Crunch, I don't care what it does to the top of the roof of your mouth, it's amazing, isn't it? It's like God's, it's manna. It's manna, it's amazing, right? So, you know, and, everybody, and everybody's temptation looks different. For you, it may be something that you look at on the computer late night when nobody else is looking. For others, temptation looks like a, a bottle, or it may look like, you know, a glass, or for some, it may look like a drug of some sort. So, some, it may look like a hobby. A lot of people are tempted by spending too much time with their hobbies. For a lot of people, temptation looks like their workplace. They spend a lot more time at their workplace than they do raising their children. Now, the B part of this is important because I'm gonna set the stage for everything we're gonna talk about tonight, but rescue us from evil because God gives us an out when we fall short in temptation every time. Somebody needs to say amen to that. He provides a way of escape. Uh, I love this because praying this prayer leads us Uh, out of this area of temptation, like not going down the candy aisle, but he also says, when you fail, David says it like this. We know David's story. David failed with a woman named Bathsheba. Then he killed Uriah, which was Bathsheba's husband. They had a child. The child died. And David writes this after all that goes down in Psalms 141, verse 4. And he says, don't let me drift toward evil. Isn't that what it feels like sometimes? You just drift toward evil. Like you don't make this conscious effort. It's not like today I'm going to do this. It's you kind of just one degree drift toward evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. And I'm telling you, that passage right there sums up what temptation and evil and sin looks like, at least as far as I'm concerned. So today we're going to look at a story when Jesus, the Savior of the world, was tempted. Lots of people don't know that Jesus was tempted for 40 days. He was in the wilderness. He was fasting and praying. So the first thing I want us to get, okay, there's going to be a lot of notes today, but we're going to go real quick. Temptation was a part of Jesus's life so he could model endurance for us. Like he went through temptation so we can look at it and extract truth and go, okay, when I'm tempted, this is how I handled it. Luke chapter 4, it's going to be on the side screen. As uh, Alan already mentioned, the QR code, Their notes are going to be in there. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, and I want you to underline, if you have an analog Bible or taking notes, I want you to really, because this is like these first couple of verses are really, really important. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan River. He was led there by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all at the time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. He said, I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them. The devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. Verse seven, I will give it all to you. If you will do this one little thing, if you will worship me. So the devil saying, Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give you everything that, that you see. And he says, and Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to so another place, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. And he says, for the scriptures say, He will order the angels to protect you and guard you. Verse 11, and then they will uh, will hold you up with their hands uh, so you won't even hurt uh, your foot on the stone. Verse 12, Jesus responded again. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. I want you to understand this. We got to get this. This is a big, big point. Jesus faced this temptation to show us how we can face temptation. When he was going through it, he was tempted three different times, three different ways. We'll get into that. When Jesus showed that he had power over the temptation, he was giving us an example to follow. Luke chapter 1. Now, I want you to get this. This is like maybe blow you out of the water. Like, this could be the big truth for today. Then Jesus, in verse 1, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit of the wilderness into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for four days. Jesus ate nothing at the time and became very hungry. And you go, What? Why is that so important? It's the first time in scripture we see the humanity of God. Everywhere else we see the deity of God. But this is the first time that, and and, and somebody like, if you're fasting, I've never been on a 40 day fast. I've gone seven single day fasts before. I've done a 10 day fast before. I do a lot of three days. During this time, I've been doing single day fasts. I can only imagine after 40 days what happens to your body. There's some things that start to happen. You start to break down. Ketosis starts to happen. You know, fat starts. It, there's some really good health things. But by and large, it's probably a scary moment. And the fact that the Jesus, because Jesus is giving this account to Luke, is saying that I was hungry. He, because a lot of believers somewhere in the world, we've, we've got this picture of Jesus that he, he kind of walked this high off the ground everywhere he went. We even sing songs at Christmas time, right, that Jesus didn't even cry. Like that's bull. Like he was a baby. Like like he never like he was a carpenter's son. Like he never nailed a a nail half sideways. If you're a carpenter, that's easy to do. You just bang it a couple of times. He was a hundred percent God. Somebody say amen. amen. But he was also a hundred percent man. But he didn't sin. That's what the scripture says. And so just the very fact that we see that that it says he was hungry was showing the fact that he was 100% man that there was a, there was something here in this the story also tells us that Jesus was human Jesus was tempted and he had the power over temptation Hebrews chapter 4:15 i think paints a beautiful picture it says the high priest of ours meaning Jesus the high priest understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do yet did not what did not sin So everything we go through, it's not unique to you. By the way, let me just let you in on a secret. What you're going through temptation-wise is not unique to the world. Everybody's gone through some type of temptation. It's just how we handle those circumstances. Uh, The story tells us that it's usually human. And you know the other thing? The enemy is it tells us that the enemy attacks us in our strengths, not our weaknesses. Okay, I don't watch football. I don't even like football but there was a little football game on last week that because I was not here, I was not able to talk about. But I think the University of Georgia played a team called the the Game Chickens. Now, I I have friends that graduated from there that are deeply hurt by what happened last Saturday, like scarred for life. One of them said to me this, you would not have beaten us, whatever, if we had our five starters on defense? Okay, let, let me tell you something. We did exactly as a football team what you're supposed to do. We attacked their weakness. They had second and third stringers in there. We, 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 we manipulated them. We made them look silly because we attacked their weaknesses. Let me lay it on a secret. That's exactly what the enemy does with us. He doesn't attack your strengths. Oh, I don't have a problem with addiction. Okay. He's not going to attack that if you don't have a problem with that. But if you have a problem with what you look, you're looking at at night, late at night on the, on, the, on the web, he's going to attack that. Every one of those things on Facebook is going to be something that's a little bit, you know, like just a little bit dicey. He's going to get you. He doesn't attack your strengths. He attacks your weakness. He attacked Jesus in his weakness. He was hungry. And the first temptation was, do you want something to eat? In our lives, that's how the enemy works. You got to know that. No one also is immune to experience temptation. Uh, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice it says he was full of the Holy Spirit, which he had everything. He returned to Jordan. He was even, watch this, led by the Spirit. The Spirit took him to that place to be tempted. Now, I want to throw something out real quick. Jesus was led, and sometimes the same thing happens, but God is not the one tempting us. Somebody say amen to that. We're going to talk about that in a second. When we face temptation, a lot of people think that, oh, there must be a lack in my life. There must be a struggle in my life. There must be a sin in my life, and that's why I'm being tempted. You're being tempted because you breathe. You're being tempted. I'm being tempted because that's what the enemy does. That's the only way he can destroy us is by tempting us. Even Jesus, who never sinned, right, experienced some type of temptation. And so no one is immune to this, all right? But here's the third thing I want us to get. Temptation often promises what God has already provided, not an amen to that? See, what I've learned is temptation promises more than it can deliver. That's the way the enemy works. He'll tell you, I can do this and I can do this. Hey, this is what he says. I'm going to tell you exactly. Do this and you'll be happy, right? Do this and you'll be happy. But only God can bring you real happiness, right? But, but the enemy will throw out, hey, do this drug, get involved in this relationship, steal a little bit of money from the government, whatever it is, that you'll be happy. Do this and you'll have peace of mind. But how many people know that God's the only one that can bring peace of mind? For I've not given you the spirit of fear, uh, spirit, but it's the, 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 the love, power, and a sound mind. Do this and you'll feel good about yourself. How many people have ever fallen into sin and fell in good, felt good about themselves after they fell into sin? Anybody? Anybody? No, you always feel worse than you went going into this. But only God can give you that. John Piper, who's a preacher, said this. He said that sin gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. That's what sin does. The devil can't give you happiness because true happiness isn't the devil's to give. It's not the devil's to give. He can promise you the world, but he can't give you the world because it's not his to give. You know what makes me, and, and let me throw something out. I had a, a counseling appointment a couple of weeks ago and somebody, they don't come to this church, but there was a young couple and um, the young man, they were married, I don't know, six or seven years and the young man fell into sin. He, he had an affair. And he said, I can't believe this destroyed my marriage. I can't believe that my wife won't take me back. I can't believe. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a truth here, right? And he goes, no, what? I said, and I've said this a gazillion times, and it's so important that we understand. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. Did you hear me on that? Like, you may not think, but sin's going to take you further. And it's going to cost you more than you're willing to pay. It may cost you everything. It may cost you your marriage. It may cost you your job. It may cost you your reputation. It may cost you your family. And so sin will take you, you know, farther than you want to go. And and it... Costs you more than you're willing to pay, but I'm going to tell you the truth. A lot of us don't hear is it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. The, The devil doesn't let you go real easy. He wants you to be because you're ineffective when you're in that sin. Temptation, by its very nature, is deceptive, and also presents itself so many times with this twisted logic. Did you ever notice that? And that's exactly what happens with Jesus. Then the devil took Jesus to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. Does that appear to be a little weird to anybody? He's the son of God. He can do anything. He manipulates all the stuff going on in the world. And the devil's trying to twist it. And watch this. For the scripture says, and this is how the devil works. For the scripture says, am I making you uncomfortable today by talking about sin and scripture and the devil? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, where's he going with this? I'm going where you think I'm going. Okay, just let you know, I'm going where you think I'm going. Watch what he says. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you don't even hurt your foot or stone. And I can tell you, Jesus is going, yeah. Because you know what? That's scripture. That's in the scriptures. He actually is quoting from an Old Testament scripture. That's the way the devil works, though. He twists it. To be self self promoting, he's going. Listen, you'll be like you'll be like like you'll be major league if you let me do this. He quoted scripture, knowing Jesus knew it was absolutely true, but he was trying to get Jesus to apply a twisted, self serving way. He was saying, "Come on, Jesus, take care. You know, you the, the angels, Luke chapter four, verse seven. I will give it all to you if you worship me." Now, I find this one hysterical. Let me tell you why. It wasn't his to give. And Jesus was already told that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He was already told that all creation was his. So the devil was trying to offer Jesus something that wasn't his to offer. And Jesus is sitting there. How does Jesus handle it, right? Which is the next thing. God's purpose is not to tempt us, but to give power over temptation. That's what he promises, to give us power over temptation. There's an important distinction I I'm want to make here. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness... To be tempted, but it wasn't God who tempted him. Did y'all catch that? John ten ten. What's the enemy's purpose? Right. We, we, this is like Journey's favorite scripture. We read it like every message. Right. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. So he's going to steal, kill, and destroy. We talked about the church. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy the church so we can't be unified, so we can't do anything in the world we live in. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your relationships so you're off by yourself, because you know what? That's a weak area. When you're off by yourself, you are prone to be attacked by the enemy. Somebody should shout amen to that. When you're not in fellowship, I'm telling you, it's a dangerous place to be. When 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 you're mentally not right, He's going to say, you know, I'm going to seek, kill, and destroy you because you're mentally and emotionally, you're not, you're not connected with the Father. When you're not praying, he's there to seek, kill, and destroy. When you're not in fellowship with the Father, when you're not reading God's truth, he's there to seek, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. Anybody ever hear of a, a thing called entrapment? So I, I think it's against the law now. But several years ago, I had a situation where I got entrapped. So there was a car that flew past me. So when a car is going faster than you, what do you do? (laughs) You keep up with that car. My wife, it drives my wife nuts. She'll go, you're 100 miles. I don't do 100, but you're 10 miles over the speed limit. I'm just keeping up with traffic, right? That doesn't work with the cop, by the way. So the car flies past me. It looks like a normal car, right? Well, the next thing I know, the blue lights fire up. And I'm like, oh, it's from behind me. And this was a car that was keeping up with that car. And they pulled me over. And I said, and I quote, I was just keeping up with that car. Why didn't you pull him over? And he said, and I quote, because he's one of us. But then he realized he couldn't because that's entrapment. He can't offer me. He can't do something. But you know what a lot of people think? A lot of people think that God is there to trap you. Like he's dangling this carrot and he's just waiting for you to fail. And that's the exact opposite of what God is actually doing. Actually, God is trying to take you around the, the, around the block from that carrot so you don't have to deal with that temptation. Go back to Matthew, it says, right? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's doing everything he can to keep us and go from, and in the other direction. James chapter 1 says this, and remember, when you are being tempted, okay? A lot of you raised your hand that we had temptations, right? When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So God's, that's not what he's doing, and Jesus' response to temptation was really important here. You know what Jesus used in temptation? The Word of God. You know what our greatest tool against the enemy is? The Word of God. James chapter 4, verse 7. This is one of my favorite passages. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, a lot of people, that's, that's an equation, by the way. Did y'all catch that? That you do this and this, and the devil leaves. Here's the problem is, a lot of us, we're not humbling ourselves before God. and a lot of us aren't resisting the devil. We're just telling we're like shouting in a loud voice that nobody's hearing, "Flee from me, Flee. You've got to do the first two before that last one happens. So think about that, t- that temptation that's right in front of you. Whatever it looks like. you know, and we, we pick on the biggie sins, right? The biggies. But you know there's some other ones like food, right? Like somebody asked me a couple weeks ago. They were trying to quit smoking and they can't quit smoking. And they said, Is they gonna, you know, am I gonna go to hell because I smoke? And I just said, No, but you'll get there faster. Maybe. But it's those temptations too, right? They're temptations. And so what we need to do is say, Okay, I'm gonna submit to God on this thing. I'm gonna resist the devil and he's gonna command it, he's commanded to flee. That's a promise right there. We do those first two things, he does the last thing. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. I said that a couple minutes ago. The same things that you're going through. So don't act like, ah, oh, like don't, like every, a lot of people, we, I got the t-shirt. Job was a wiener, like, right? Job, Job, Job's a wuss. No, this, the, the same things you're going through are probably the things, and that's why I think, can I just throw a, just a real, that's why I think small group is so important. Because you know what I'm finding out when I'm in group with people, when I'm in community, a lot of the people God places in my community are going through some of the same things that I'm going through or have already gone through those things. And you know what happens? I build off their strengths. I stand on their shoulders in the problems that they're having that, that I'm having. So when it comes to attacking temptation, watch this. And God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can what? Endure. So you can endure. When it comes to attacking temptation, the word of God is your first line of defense. Three things that Jesus said. This may be good for you to write down. Luke chapter 4, 4. But Jesus told him, no. I love that. No. The scripture says people do not live by bread alone. A couple verses down, verse 7. I will give it all to you if you worship me. Jesus replies, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God with, uh, and serve him only. Verse 12 says, Jesus responded. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. See, that's how we deal with temptation. We use God's word when temptation comes against us. We make it appeal, we, 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 we say, and we cut it off in mid-sentence. No, God's word says this. I mean, I could go for anything. Our mental state, anxiety, fear, bitterness, unforgiveness. No, God's word says this. I learned a valuable lesson years ago. I was in the insurance business. I don't know if you guys knew, knew this, but, but years ago I was in the insurance business. I sold life insurance for a company, and I had a manager. and We were sitting there in a meeting one time, and a, a guy came in trying to sell us a product that we could sell to the, you know the, our, our clients. and It was a really good product, and he started talking about how to sell this thing. and I had my my unit manager and my manager was sitting, in, and I was a night I was two years into the business. I didn't know like ethics, you know, morale. I didn't know any of that stuff. I was just like, I needed to sell something. And so we sitting there and the guy goes, my boss goes to the guy, he goes, are you saying what I think you're saying? And he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, it sounds like you're you're asking us to do something that's that's illegal and immoral. And he goes, are, are you saying what I think you're saying? And, and he hemmed and hawed and he went back and forth and back and forth. And all of, all of a sudden my manager stands up and I was getting a little like, I'm gonna have to like, do this number right here with these two. And he goes, I believe you're telling me to do something that's unethical. Are you telling me, are you saying what what I think you're saying? And finally he said, yes. And he goes, get out of my office right now. Get out of my office. He gets up and he walks out leaving me at the table. The guy's standing there. He starts to try to sell me the product now. My boss comes walking in 10 minutes later. It's the longest 10 minutes of my life. And he says, I told you once, get out of my office and Bobby will escort you. I'm like, thanks, put it all on me. He sits down at his desk and he starts going through his email and his calendar like nothing was going on. And so after the meeting was over, he was a strong believer. He said, Bobby, that's how we have to deal with temptation too. When temptation comes, we don't sit there and entertain it. We tell it to get out of our office. When's the last time you told temptation to get out of your office? When's the last time that you sat at the table negotiating with temptation and you said, you need to get out right now because I'm not falling prey to that? It's written this, it's written this that that God, God will not, you know, He will deliver me from temptation. And not only that, He will rescue me from those things. Now, here, here's the biggie, you right? ready? What about when you, when you blow it? Show of hands. Anybody ever blown it? You gave in to temptation? By the way, my hand is raised. And what happens a lot of times in our lives, we get so dejected and we think that God can never use us again. And maybe today, maybe just a minute ago, as I said, we're talking about temptation, you grimace because you're, because rather than turning from temptation, you've given in to temptation. But But I want to tell you something there's hope that the same God that delivers rescues. Did you hear me on this? He rescues. A couple years ago, and I understand what it means to be rescued. A couple years ago, I was in my boat, and I was doing pretty fast. And my lower unit of my boat blew off the back of my boat and spun my boat sideways. And when it spun my boat sideways, it threw me out of the boat. I was doing 68 miles an hour. threw me out of the boat. And so it's banging. I'm banging on the water. And my boat is now what seems to be miles from me, but probably 30 or 40 yards and the boat is just, just sitting there because the prop's not there, but it's, it's running. And all of a sudden, I feel, out of nowhere, this, this person grabbed me from my shirt and my jacket and picked me up and put me in his boat. Somebody had seen the accident happen off in the other bank that was fishing and came over and rescued me. That's what rescue means that while you're drowning at your lowest point and you have nowhere else to turn, somebody, somebody, God takes care of that. And see, God rescues us. I'm gonna share a story with you. I actually had the um, opportunity this past week to speak at JSM and I shared, I really, I taught this this whole passage. And it's a story that some of you have probably heard. It's the story of the prodigal son. Now, lots of people, entertainers, they think this is a story about a dad that doesn't want their son to have any fun. Like, it's just like, you can't do this and you can't do this. And actually what this is, is a story of a dad that loves us so much that regardless of how far we've gone, that he still rescues us. That's the story. So the prodigal son is sitting there with his dad one day, and he says, I want my inheritance. I want everything that I deserve, which is kind of funny because He didn't deserve anything. His dad's the one that deserved everything. He's the one that worked for it. But he was was demanding his inheritance. So he tells the father, I want my inheritance. And he runs off. And it says that he starts doing wild things. I'm assuming it's some of the same wild things that we've done in this room, right? Done some wild things. Now a famine comes across the land. There's this famine that happens. In the middle of the famine, he can't find a job. He spends all his money and literally now is sleeping in a pig pen. There's, there's, there's a passive scripture where he goes, he was longing for the pods that the pigs were eating. That's how bad it had gotten. And then it says this, when he finally came to his senses. That's some of the most powerful words in scripture right there. Because you know what needs to happen in our lives when we've been tempted and have fallen short? is we need to come to our senses. When he came to us, he didn't blame his dad for rigid potty training. Right? He didn't say it was my brother's fault because he was giving me wedgies all the time. He said, when I came to my senses, at home, even the hired hands have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, for I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. Now I want you to notice this. He's still in the pig pen. He's practicing this. He's going in his mind how he's gonna say this to his father. So then it says, he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with compassion. He ran to his son, he embraced him and he kissed him. His son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against you and heaven, uh, both against uh, heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Stop right there. What was the difference between the first time he said it and the second time he said it? Proximity, where he was. He had finally said, I'm tired of this life and I want to go back to this life. And let me tell you one thing that has to happen. If we have fallen and we're gonna come back to the Father, there has to be a moment, like big religious word, repentance. There's gotta be a time where we leave this life here and go to this life that God wants. I I had a conversation uh, this past week with a friend of mine that has a son. And I asked permission to share this story, okay? So he has a son. Years ago, he was a phenomenal baseball player, a phenomenal baseball player. But he goes away to college, and he starts smoking weed and the coach catches him by doing the urine test now that day when that happened i remember what happened because i got a phone call from the father and the father said this the father said this is what my son said i can't believe he said this if they would have just let me know that they were going to test i could have had some clean pee yeah. but that's the way we deal with sin isn't it if you would have just let me know if i knew he was coming it wouldn't be a problem the problem is we're still in sin. So he walks away from it for two or three years, a couple of different schools, scouts, professional scouts, going. You have every, you have all everything. It's you, but he's still struggling. So one day he calls his dad and he said, "Dad, this is what I've done because I can't. I'm living with two guys that smoke weed, and 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 I'm so tempted. I'm going to start to vape. I don't know what that does, right?" But you know what happens about a month into it? You start smoking weed again. Proximity. At some point, if we're going to walk away from sin and come back to the Father, we've got to walk away from sin and come back to the Father. That's the only way it works. So he returned home to his Father and why he was still a long way off? His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father stops him and says, stop it. That's it. That's enough. I don't want to hear anymore. You're not who you used to be. See, if I was the dad, heard this one before. But dad, I really mean it. Yeah, well, yeah whatever. You really meant it the last thousand times too. That's That's how we think the father operates, though. We think the father sits there with his hands crossed, but the father's just the opposite. He's got his hands open. That's what Jesus says. Come, all who are, are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come into the father's arms. That's exactly what he's saying right here. The father said to the servant, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and i will kill the calf we've been fattening we must celebrate the feast for the son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life he was lost but now he's found so the party began and that's exactly what the father does with us every time we come back to the, every time we come back to the father now, there's an older son in this story. That's a whole other message because he's jealous and he wants with the and all that kind of stuff. That's the church, by the way. Sometimes when we see people that are far from God come to God, we go, that, that'll never work. Here's what I've learned. Two of my kids um, went off and left our house in college. Um, all three of my kids used to go to Mission Field all the time, to Haiti and, and Dominican Republic and Ecuador and all these different places. And not that my kids, not that my kids are the prodigal, you know, the prodigal kids. But I remember every time they came home from a trip, it's tough letting them grow up, isn't it? And I would stand, I would stand there at the door, just waiting for them to come in. And I would act like, I would act like that when they walked in the door, I was like doing something else. I remember one time. Courtney, one of my twins, was over in Haiti. She was a missionary. She was doing an internship for the whole summer. And it was volatile down there that year. And the government was uh, overturned, and they were having all these fires and everything. And um, we sent a team down, and they got the team out. But they left Courtney there with the team from Disciples Village. And I was furious as a dad, by the way. I was like, that's my baby. And she spent the whole summer or almost the whole summer, locked in the compound. They couldn't do anything. And so there was calls, and she would call us occasionally. We're fine. Everything's good. But, man, I'm going to tell you, as a dad, thousands of miles, and I can't do anything. I can't jump on a plane. You know, I, I, don't, I don't have a jet pack that I can get. I don't have anything. And I remember the day she, she, she called us and said, listen, they're taking us to the airport. We're getting ready to come home. And I couldn't wait to grab my daughter and just welcome her home. And I remember when she pulled up, and I remember standing there trying to act like I wasn't crying, and you know the, all that stuff. And but when I hugged her neck, I lost it. Can I throw something out? That's the heavenly Father when one of His children come home, when they're afar off, and when they come to their senses. And I believe today. God is calling some of us to come to our senses. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand up real quick. I want you to shut your eyes. I want you to bow your head. We want to be good Baptists for a second. I believe that when we hear the word of God, and it penetrates our heart, there has to be a response to it. And sometimes we just do the response just standing there. It's something personal. Today, though, I feel like it needs to be something public. And I just feel like there's some of us in this room. Listen, I'm watching you guys. I'm watching you wipe tears away. I, I know what's going on deep down inside. I've I know. I've gone through the same thing. I have been the prodigal before. In many ways, I may have things in my life right now that are prodigal-like. At the end of every service, what we've been doing is we've been opening up just this front part of our stage for prayer. And today what I want to do is I want to do that again, but I want a response. That today, if you're battling temptation and you just need some help with that, I want you to come forward. And if you've battled temptation and maybe you've lost, maybe you're losing right now and you just need strength, you need to be rescued. I want us to pray for you today. And so Greg's going to lead us in a song. And while this song is being played, I just believe with everything that's in me that this front part of this building is going to be filled with people that are longing to know the father, that are longing to wait for the embrace of the father. And just like I said, he is waiting for you. The Bible says he was sitting on the porch and while the sun was afar off, I just visualize the father, heavenly father, sitting there waiting for us to make a move. Eyes shut, heads bowed. We're going to sing this song together. But when you feel appropriate, I want you to come up. If you're over in the atrium, I want you to do the same. If you're down at our Sherwood campus, Pastor Keith and his team will be at the front. You guys do the same down there. If you're online right now, there's so many different opportunities, but go to the online chat area where you can be prayed for and and have somebody pray for you right there. Heavenly Father, in this moment, In this moment, where I sense your presence in a real way, I pray that you're moving in our hearts. God, the song that we sing about the Holy Spirit, where when we sense you, you move us, you shake us, Sometimes you bring us the tears. Sometimes it's a heart pounding. Whatever that is, God, if that's going on inside of us right now, I pray by your Holy Spirit to give us the just, the just the boldness to step out of our seats and make that walk up to the front and get prayed for. And God, I believe with everything that's in me, when that step takes place, God, you're going to run to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextstepsjourneycommunity.net.